This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of Yon McCool, Coo Cullen, Deirdre of the Sorrows, Grawn, New Whale. From giants right down to fairies, of both the trooping and solitary, and those who are sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Puka Fireside, the Merrow Fireside. Kings and queens fighting heroes, don't you run from the fun, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Mm-hmm. Fireside. Hello and welcome to Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Each episode of Fireside, we take a story from folklore mythology, we retell it, have a chat about the tale itself and about the craft, the culture and the history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olahan. I'm your host and Fireside Bard. Welcome to episode 171 of Fireside. Today on the Irish storytelling podcast, we have a very serious tale of Little Paddy and the Weasel. But uh, before we get down to that, that very, very uh, dreadfully serious affair, uh, I want to give a big welcome to any new and indeed returning listeners. If you're returning, thank you so, so much for your continued support. If you're brand new, this is actually quite a good one to listen to for the first time. Get a flavor of this podcast of what we're all about here over at Fireside HQ. And if you enjoy that, why don't you head right back to the very beginning, episode one, and see what we've been building up to over the last three and a half years of this podcast. Ways you can support the podcast you can follow me over on instagram at fireside bard if you have not done so already you can email me at the fireside bard at gmail.com if you're not on social media and you want to get in touch but those are the best places to message me to make uh, business inquiries or even just to pop your head up and say hello and you can join headstuff plus over on headstuffpodcasts.com wherever as little as five euro a month although you can pay more if you want you can gain access to bonus material not just for fireside but for all of the episodes uh, for all of the podcasts on the headstuff podcast network and there are more of those uh, every month now um we you can also that was a fun sound you can also Buy my poetry book, Garden Sea, my neo-myth of home, uh, in paperback from the Headstuff website and in Kindle form from Amazon. The links to those are in the descriptions of the podcast below. You can follow those and get Garden Sea and we can ship it anywhere around the world. And thank you so much to everyone who continues to buy it. It's great to still be sending copies of it all over the world every week. Uh, It makes me happier than you will perhaps know. Uh, but those are the hard sells over. Uh, I am coming to you today. I'm recording from a place called Dubbo in New South Wales. Um, on tour with the World of Musicals around Australia. Uh, we're coming to the end of our New South Wales leg uh, of the tour. And then we're driving our way back up the East Coast. Back into Queensland uh, where we're going to keep going with places like Gold Coast and um, and Cairns and other places like Gladstone and Townsville and all before we head down back down to Victoria in a couple of months time uh, places like Melbourne and Geelong and all over the state there uh, we've had about I think it's, we passed 45 shows there the other night 
Uh, we've had racked up a serious amount of shows and it's going down better and better. We played in the ICC in Sydney last week, which was one of the best nights I've ever had on stage, one of the most incredible, beautiful venues I've ever seen. That was the second of our shows in Sydney. We also played in the Coliseum, which is only a 15-month-old theatre. It was it was like a very bougie coffee shop. The dressing rooms were the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in a theatre. A lot of matte finish on the, the taps and all. Very, very nice. Uh, but still so grateful and delighted to be back out travelling and back out working and just getting to do what I love. And great to have an opportunity every time I have to re- keep recording the podcast, to keep writing, to keep recording, to keep editing it, keeping the head over water um as i'm away it's always great it's such an incredible feeling to be able to do the both and to be able to take this podcast on the road still even after all these years now but the story for this week is another tale from the douglas hyde book beside the fire um i'm still finding great stories in it uh, of this version that uh, this book of stories that i found in a pdf online it was a story it was a book i'd heard of many times and there were stories from it in the other sources i've had the wb yates book has a few of these tales in them but it was great to find a pdf of us uh, of beside the fire um and per- particularly for the grand Wales stuff we were doing over the past couple of months it's great to have a lot of stories from around the mayo galway roscommon like west coast area and this story is no different but this is less of an aquatic tale and uh more of a story in vain of the likes of the storyteller and the beggar it is very much a fairy story which uh, i ultimately feel we haven't had too many of in recent times there's always the element of magic and there's always the element of the other folk but in a very direct way um there's a lot of action in this story and i look forward to talking about it afterwards but here we'll have it now uh, this is little paddy and the weasel on fireside <laughs> Little Paddy and the Weasel Once upon a time there was a poor young man in County Galway named Little Paddy, or Paddy Ian. One night Paddy Ian awoke and didn't know what time of day or night it was outside because the moon was casting such a brilliant expansive light. Little Paddy set out for the local market where he was looking to get what money he could for an old donkey. The paddy and the sturdy beast walked the country roads until shifting clouds covered the moon and smothered the road in darkness. Only those from there know the true darkness of an Irish country road. The cloud was followed soon by torrential rain, and Paddy Ian frantically looked through the sheets of rain and darkness until he could make out an enormous old house that he had never seen before. Paddy decided he would knock on the manor door and seek refuge until the showers had passed. But when he arrived, he found the door of the house was wide open. So Paddy Ian left his ass tethered outside and cautiously moved into the house. To the left, Paddy followed the glow of a fireplace and found a big, comfortable-looking armchair before it. Little Paddy settled into the armchair and fell asleep. Not long after this, Paddy Ian awoke to the sound of small, heavy feet scurrying on the carpet. Pretending to still be asleep, he opened one eye to have a peek. 
Paddy saw a frightful weasel run before the fire and drop something shiny from its mouth onto the hearthstone. Little Paddy could not make out what the object was, so he kept watching. The weasel left and returned again. This time Paddy could make out that the shiny object was a gold guinea. Paddy watched as the weasel came and went, making twenty-odd trips to and from the hearthstone, dropping gold before the fire. When it became clear that the weasel had gone for good, Paddy Ian took the money on the hearthstone and left the big house. As he untethered his donkey and continued his way to market, Paddy Ian began to hear the familiar sound of scurrying feet behind him. The weasel was giving chase. Paddy gave the ass a smack on his behind and the old beast ran as fast as its sturdy legs would carry it. But the weasel was faster and hissing from its long snout. The weasel bore its teeth and leapt at little Paddy's little throat. But the young man had a big oak walking stick and blocking the attack beat the weasel off him. Then it chanced that two men were walking towards this weasel attack and they had a wolfhound in tow. The dog chased the weasel and the foul beast was forced to escape into a hole in the ground. As the dog stood sentry barking and digging at the hole, Paddy Ian thanked the two men, dusted himself off and continued on his way. Paddy Ian had no need to try and sell his old donkey at the market that day, but rather bought a young colt with the money he had stolen so he could ride back in safety and in style. He arrived back home late at night, went into bed beside his wife, and fell asleep. The next morning the young man awoke and went out to check on his latest purchase. But as Paddy Ian left his house, he saw the same weasel leaving Paddy's barn with blood dripping from its mouth. "'Get away from there! What have you done?' cried Paddy Ian at the beast, who ran back up the road and out of sight. Inside the barn Paddy Ian found a massacre." Two milk cows, two calves, and his new horse all lay mauled to death. Little Paddy summoned his best sheepdog, and the two pursued revenge. It was not long before they found the weasel near the same big old house, but Paddy Ian and his hound gave chase and hunted the beast into the forest until they came to a little tin hut, an old hovel that the weasel ran into. We have the crater now, Paddy said to his dog. Bark, said dog. Hunter and Lurch went into the little hovel and found inside a little old woman. Before Paddy Ian could summon words, his dog leapt up and grabbed the old hag by the throat. In the name of the gods, Paddy Ian, cried the old woman, call your dog off me and I will make you a very rich man. Little Paddy realised in that moment that the hag before him was that same weasel. Why did you kill my horse and cows and calves? he asked. Why did you steal money that I have been collecting for five hundred years? the hag replied. I thought you were a weasel. What use has a weasel for money? And also, if you are five hundred years old, as you say, you should not still be living. You should have moved on to the next life. I committed a great crime in my youth, said the old woman. But I will finally be released if you can pay twenty pounds for one hundred and three years of Catholic Mass. And where will I find this money? asked Paddy Ian. 
Go out from this hovel and dig at the bushes of the nearby lake. There you will find a big pot full of gold. Take twenty pounds and donate it to the nearest church, and you can keep the rest. When you lift the lid off the pot, a great black dog will jump out. That is my son, and he will not harm you. Take that money and offer to buy the house that you first found me in. You will get the house very cheap because of the rumours that it is haunted. On your first night there, go into the basement and you will find my son. He will be a great friend to you. I myself will be dead within a month. When I do die, I only ask that you set fire and burn this hut you stand in now to the ground. Then great fortune will always favour you. Though so farewell, Paddy Ian, and keep my secret. Little Paddy left the hag and the hovel, found the bushes by the lake, and began to dig. He dug up a heavy, dull pot and pried it open with the shovel. Prepared as he was, Paddy Ian still got the fright of his life when he opened the pot and a great black dog erupted from it like a cloud of ash and ran off into the forest. When the hound had gone, little Paddy could finally bask in the vast amounts of gold within the pot. He took twenty pounds worth and brought it to the local church, anonymously donating it to the priest, before going to the market and buying a new horse and milk cows and returning for the rest of his riches. Paddy Ian's wife, family and friends all had no idea where he was getting all of his money. They thought he was surely in a deal with the fairies, which never worked out for mortal men. Paddy Ian would assure his wife that the money was sound, and that he would soon be able to tell her where the source was when he felt it was safe and secure. The next day Paddy Ian went to the house where he had found the weasel and offered to buy it from the owner, house, lands and all. The landowner was hesitant. I would not ask for much for this old house, and keen I am to sell it, but I couldn't in good conscience sell it to you without warning you of the ghost that lives in the basement. Pretending he didn't believe in such nonsense, Paddy Ian assured the man, I wouldn't be bothered with any of that type of thing, don't you worry, pal. The deal was struck, and that night Paddy Ian moved into his new home in an old mansion. He made his way through the house, manoeuvring all the doors and staircases until he found a route that led to the cellar. There, in the darkness, Paddy Ian found a little man sitting with his legs swinging on a barrel. Little Paddy was a small man himself, but this fellow on the barrel was small enough to be unmistakably one of the other folk. "'Hello, Paddy Ian. Have you a thirst on you?' said the man. "'I'm not free from it,' said Paddy. "'Well, have a sup from this barrel. It's an ale that no matter how much you drink will always be cold and always be full.' Paddy Ian and the fairy drank and drank together until they were both half drunk. Then the little man said, Right, I've a gig to play tonight, at Thunashi, the fortress of the fairies. If you come with me, you'll be a very rich man. Gladly I will, said Paddy Ian. But how will we get there? Don't you worry about that, just you have another pint. Little Paddy kept drinking until he passed out, and when he awoke, he was flying with the little man on the back of an enchanted horse. They came to a hill, and the little man began to play a beautiful tune on the illen pipes, and like a castle gate, an opening appeared in the hill for the travellers to pass through. 
Inside, Paddy and the little man were welcomed by Finvara and Nula, the High King and Queen of the Fairies of Connacht, and a host of a thousand others. Finvara said to little Paddy, You have come on a very special night. We are to have a hurling match against the Fairies of Munster. If we lose, our fame will be gone forever. We are ready, cried the host of a thousand Connacht Fairies. All climbed aboard a carriage bigger than the house Paddy Ian had bought and were taken to a neutral hurling ground. It was fairy law that a mortal had to be present on each side of a fairy hurling match or fight. Paddy Ian was on the side of Connacht and another young man stood with the Munster host. Donal Oog, who was the fairy Paddy arrived with, played the pipes with a dozen other musicians as the match began. Both teams played well, but Paddy Ian began to worry that the Munster side began to get the upper hand. So little Paddy grabbed a hurley stick and joined the game himself. When he did, the mortal man on the monster side ran in and went to throw a punch at Paddy Ian, but Paddy beat him to the ground. Then the hurling portion of the day was ended, and the monster and Connacht fairies began beating the soulless hides off each other. The Connacht fairies fought better, and soon the monster side transformed themselves into a thousand flying beetles and began to ravage and eat the crops all around Connacht. But the Connacht fairies turned themselves into a thousand doves and devoured every last one of the monster beetles, and the day was won. Finvara, the high king of the Connacht she, thanked Paddy Ian and the little piper who had brought him by giving them each a satchel of gold. The next thing Paddy Ian remembered was him waking up in his own bed at home. One month later, Paddy Ian went down to the cellar of his home to once again drink with Donal Oak, but found that the fairy piper looked sad. My mother has died, Paddy Ian. It is time for you to set fire to her home in the woods. Do this, and I will give you a satchel of gold that, like the ale we drink, will never empty. It will ensure that not only will you remain a rich man, but so too will every subsequent generation of your family. Paddy Ian went into the woods, found the tin hovel. Inside he found the dead old hag who had once been a weasel. Paddy Ian set fire to the hovel and watched it burn. When he returned to the cellar in his basement, he found the satchel of gold, but no sign of the little man. Paddy Ian never saw the fairies ever again, and no one was ever sure where it was he got all his wealth, and years after Paddy Ian had died, his subsequent generations just believed that they always had been rich. But this is a rare case of a mortal and a fairy that worked out well for man. The End My name is Keen and I'm James and we host Sissy That Pod. Sissy That Pod is a fun, informative and comprehensive companion podcast into the world of the queer and colourful cultural behemoth that is RuPaul's Drag Race. Join us every week as we cover the current season of the show, All Stars 7, through the eyes of two queer Irish fans. Or scour through our back catalogue wherever you get your podcasts or on headstuffpodcast.com to check out the other seasons we've covered. But for now, start your engine. It's time to crown an ultimate queen. Uh, 
And that's the tale of Little Paddy and the Weasel on Fireside. And I hope you enjoyed it. A very classic, very classic fairy tale, very grassroots fireside story. This amusing, light, um, with but plenty rich in its own lore. A lot of recurring themes that we've seen and some new elements as well. The first thing that I noticed when adapting this story and why it was interesting from a writing point of view is there's just a huge amount of action an awful lot of ha- an awful lot happens in this and that's always really fun to write about um especially for writing prose because that can be one of the trickier things i think is um you know knowing the difference and having the balance between scenes of dialogue of characters talking and scenes of uh, descriptive action and here we just have this absolute, it's like the weasel is always there. That's the speed that this entire story uh, moves at. Even when the weasel is left in the first half of the story and Paddy Ian goes off to uh, play with this fairy piper at this hurling match. So there are so, there's a few, good few episodes and good few other stories that this reminds me of. Um, first of all, it's the story of the story. Story, yeah, the storyteller and the beggar uh, of the fairy man who keeps transforming into different various animals to rabbits and the like. Um, it, of course, reminds me of the fairy hurling match where we had um, of a young man going to act as referee for a fairy she game. So that has another case where a mortal needs to be present at a fairy either match or at a fairy fight. Um, just the rivalry between this Connacht and Munster reminds me of the Connacht and Ulster pig keepers um, that led to them becoming the Brown Bull of Cooley and the White Horned Bull of Connacht and leading to the Thorn. Um, the Fairy Piper reminds me of the story we had of the fairy piper who went to play on Halloween night, the piper and the puka was taken to the puka. So there's, this feels like a very lived in world is a phrase I haven't used in a while that I'm very fond of for these kind of stories and the benefit of both writing these stories, having written all of the previous episodes of Fireside and the benefit for you as listeners, those that have been listening for 10, 20, maybe even all of the episodes of Fireside, uh, that when we have these reoccurring elements and reoccurring fairy types and fairy situations, that rather than it feeling like it's repetitive, because I do think, I like to think I've never done two stories that are like the exact same, except of course where it's very deliberately so, like with uh, Fionn McCool and the Old Man's House and Thor and the Land of Giants, which are like totally different versions of the exact same story. So that has its own interesting parallel. But with a case like this, I would hope that these stories don't feel repetitive because I like to think that they are they are all different and I wouldn't have the interest in doing the exact same story, but that they feel increasingly lived in and that are the arbitrary rules of of magic and folklore in these stories should have some kind of consistency and that it does feel like a, a world that operates by its own rules and that's why I do love things like um, a mortal having to be present at a fairy hurling game and us already having had a story of a fairy hurling match um it's an, again a classic case of man man meets fairy engages with fairy always poor poor country man 
a little bit stupid, but ambitious, optimistic, uh, has courage, and um, always wealth. You know, we're always dealing with uh, poor people with these folktales. That's another crucial difference as well. Like the myths tend to be more dealing with uh, rich people because our people of royalty and aristocracy, heroes and kings and princes who none of whom have to worry about wealth or riches. And then these folk tales are very much about the poor working class people of the countryside who dream of escaping to another world and to in two ways another world by meeting people from a literal other world and then also rising to a station and being able to provide a level of comfort and security for themselves and their families that their previous generations could never have dreamed of and so that and I don't know why I noticed that in this episode particularly it's like the first time that's really dawned on me um the recurring theme of riches which is of course true in thousands of stories in movies and books and everything and this pursuit of wealth that we now associate so much with a, a capitalistic mindset and a very westernized mindset that is can be quite toxic and poisonous and uh, is something we have to constantly or something i have to constantly wrangle with you know um it's a thing that you you both worry about less and a huge amount more when you work in the arts because you have to kind of rationalize it earlier you have to go okay i need to really be sure that um i don't have this obsession with money because i'm going to be taking a lot of risks personally and artistically that will have no guarantee of payoff for it um but then the other side of that is that that's a really good thing i find and i'd like to think that that's one of the things i do have a better relationship with um that's all that's nothing to do with this um what I mean for here is this is the first time I really felt the context that this story was written in and the context that it was being told to specifically like a very a very rural westernized Catholic working class people um, when who dream they're not even dream they're used as cautionary tales of like don't wander from the path that's a real brothers grim thing it's like a lot of those stories that was their point was to teach children and people like of what happens when you stray from the path because you could be eaten you could be killed you could be uh, taken uh if you wandered off into the woods and when ireland was mostly just open countrysides this is uh their version of that whereas you may encounter a fairy which uh might seem like a great idea at the time uh, because they will offer you your wildest dreams, but that will very rarely work out well for you. And even there's a subtext in this story that I quite liked. The fairies needed the mortal man at that match, but Paddy Ian only ended up there because the old hag who had been the weasel said if she was spared, if Paddy Ian let the dog off her throat, that she would make him a rich man. But then they needed Paddy Ian to be there in the first place. So was this the plan all along? Was Paddy Ian used all along? It seems like it seemed like he was the one who was getting the good deal because he had spared the life of the fairy. But did the fairies always know exactly what they were doing? Because that's another very strong recurring theme. Is like the fairies always know, and they hate being outtricked and outmaneuvered. 
uh, by mortals uh, most of all and this is a case where the fairies are always really on top right from the beginning uh, we have the weasel being chased and pursued but like ultimately gets her revenge and gets everything she needs from Paddy and the fairy hosts get their get their mortal for the game and then this fairy gets to pay off her 20 pounds which Paddy pays off for her and then Paddy burns her hovel to the ground so it's wondered uh, who really used who here it was a very mutually beneficial arrangement for both of them that worked out in a rare case for absolutely everyone no one had to be necessarily the hero or the villain in this and uh, not even not even the weasel it's it's even interesting because weasels let me see now. Interesting, yeah, there are no... I just... I wouldn't have thought so and just, like, looked up to make sure. Yeah, there are no weasels in Ireland. There is a stove. Um, I've never seen one in the wild, but uh, there is an Irish stove. But it's very interesting, again, that this is... I know we have episodes with lions and things in them and other animals that uh, have not and uh, do not live in Ireland in the wild... But there's something about a quite common rural animal that's very much not an Irish thing. Um, but then it gives that that very slight, that very um, grounded but still otherworldly quality to it. Because uh, it's a great animal to have. It was a great animal to write because like, you have this absolutely vicious image of their long snout and teeth and bodies and the way they wriggle as they walk. Uh, they are amazingly uh, frightful creatures and very easy to to make the villains and to make very visceral in a story. Uh, but with that, I will wrap things up. So I hope you enjoyed this tale of Little Paddy and the Weasel. Paddy Ian, also just an incredible name as well. And like <laughs> spelt like phonetically as it is, uh, like all of the Irish phrases in this in this book, in the Stuglas Hyde book, it's spelled P-A- D D Y E E N, which never looks quite right when you see it on the page, and having to do the E E sound, the double E sound, always kind of jars in the mouth in a deliciously Irish way. So uh, hats off to Paddy and, and hats off to Douglas Hyde. So please do follow me over on Instagram at Fireside Bard. Email me at the Fireside at gmail dot com. Uh, join Head Stuff Plus. All of the descriptions, the links are in the description below. Uh, buy my poetry book, Garden Sea. You can deliver all around the world in paperback or you can order it on Kindle and be have it immediately. Uh, let me know. Uh, keep letting me know what your thoughts are on the book and, of course, on the podcast. Uh, next week, we will have part two of our look at the Battle of Ventry as we meet the King of France and as Fionn McCool and the Fianna enter the fray. That's all to come. I'll see you all. You'll hear me all next time. And remember, wherever you are and wherever you go, you can always join me by the fireside. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.